Hi guys! Hey everyone! Welcome back to Crimes to the Times. I'm Haley. And I'm Lauren. And today Haley is telling us about the Osage murders. Yes. This is crazy story. I actually found it on... Well, I was looking for, like... I don't know. For me, it's hard to find, like, historical true crime because I... I feel like there everyone knows I wanna I wanna talk about something that like not everyone knows about and it's hard to find things that not everyone knows about because there's a reason why it's historical. Yeah. People talk about it and write about it's it. It's like infamous. Yes, infamous and not all populations are written about, which is really annoying because I'm like, I just don't wanna keep talking about like these white people. Like Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like on the FBI like FBI historical cases, and I found this. Okay, so I feel like I've heard of this before. Just like I've seen that word before. I know. I feel like I've because there's so, there's I don't an. Know. It's I know I have like heard that too, but I literally know no nothing in my brain about it. Yeah, I don't think I have anything in my brain. But I found this on the FBI website, which makes sense why it's on the FBI website because the FBI like investigated it. Okay, I don't know if this is going to spoil it or not, and you can cut it out if it does, but is it solved or is it unsolved? It's, like, solved. Okay. It, and there's, like, a lot to it. Like, there's not... There's a lot of mystery to it. Yes. Okay. There's more than one culprit. So, I don't think everything has been solved, but there's, like, the... Because, you know, it's... Yeah. It's okay. crazy. Anyways, so... Well, I found this on, like, the FBI website, and then I found this, like, first chapter of a book, and the book is called Killers of the Flower Moon, The Osage Murders, and the Birth of the FBI by David Gran, and so the first chapter of this book was, like, super interesting, and I'm like, I want to read this book, but I don't have time to read this book and take notes, and because this is all, in, I can't do this one day. <laughs> so... Um, then I was looking, I was like looking more into this book and then I found out they're making a movie about this, which is totally movie. Like it's, it's going to be a good, it's going to be a good movie. And it's like a Martin, uh, Martin Scorsese movie. Um, and it has Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro's in so many Scorsese movies, like it's uh-huh. I mean all his movies like I feel like Martin does movies about like what he knows. He's like an Italian from New York and all the stories that take place with like the mob and stuff. I love but it. I mean this is not like the Italian mob or anything like that. Brendan Fraser is in it and I'm obsessed what? with Brendan Fraser because Wait, he's George of the Jungle. That's what I was gonna say. And he's um in The Mummy and the Mummy I love that movie. Those movies. Isn't he also in like Journey to the Center of the Earth? Yeah, it? but I haven't really seen those movies. I like the other one with the rock. All I know is that Josh Hutcherson's in it and I used to be obsessed with Josh Hutcherson. <laughs> Not anymore. But and then, um, I'm probably going to say her na- name wrong, but it's either Tantu or Tantu Cardinal. She's super cool. She's in, um, she's, I don't know if she's in anything you've seen, but I don't know all the movies you've seen, Lauren. Um, she's on this show called Stumptown. Did you ever watch that? No. It was really good. It takes place in Portland. She's super cool in that. And then she's also in this movie called Wind River, which 
I recommend it's super good, but I recommend like looking into the movie because there's a lot of stuff that happens in the movie that is like crazy. But it's super interesting, and The Wind River is about like the Native American women that get like go missing and get murdered and stuff. Oh, she's in Longmire. Yeah, I haven't seen that, but she's in like a bunch of stuff. Like okay. if you look into it, you're like, okay, probably seen something with her in it. She's super cool. But okay, so little history on the Osage Nation. So they're like they're the people of Middle Waters. They are a Midwestern Native American tribe of the Great Plains. The tribe developed in the Ohio and Mississippi River Valleys around 700 BC. They migrated west after the 17th century, settling near the confluence of the Missouri and Mississippi Rivers. And then in the 19th century, oh, the 19th, a 19th century painter, George Kate. Caitlin described the the Osage as the tallest race of men in North America. So they're pretty tall. And then a missionary named Isaac McCoy described the Osage as an uncommonly fierce, courageous, and warlike nation. So they're like they're tough. They, they're, they're fighters. They're fighters. They're and like other things like they like they have like good qualities and. Um, and then in the 1800s, they were forced out of their territory, which is what happened to... Yep, always. And, um, yes. And they were placed into a reservation in Kansas, where again, they were forced to move. So, they were still in Can... Mm, no. So, then they moved to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. In 1870, their chief said they should go to this territory, which is in Oklahoma, And he's like, we're going to go to this territory because it's rocky and infertile. And the white man won't be able to farm there. So, like, we're good to go. And um, when I was researching about this, there's a lot of, like, references, like, to the white man or whites. And then it made me think of when when Tom Holland reads reads the mean tweets. And he's like, Tom Holland seems like one of those whiteys that stands up on the airplane like Like, and claps. claps. When the airplane so every time I read like white or white man, I was like whiteies in my head, <laughs> which I think is so funny. <laughs> they purchased the land, so this time they actually purchased the land. So they have the deed to this land. They like they own it. I mean, they own the land that they lived on before, yeah. but like but they, they have it in writing. Yes, like, they have it in. It's the law. It's the law. Like they have it in writing. They're, they should be, like, safe. They own this. Um, so, they also, because they've had, they've been forced to move so many times, they've lost, like, a lot of people, because that's what happens. Yeah. And it's really sad. And, um, so they bought this land, and each member of the Osei tribe that was registered on the tribal roll, they received a head right. So, head rights are legal grants. Of land. So they're legal rights of okay. land. And so everyone got one. A legal right. Like, so head rights are really important to this story. Head okay. rights, the word royalties, and etc. Like things like that. Those are very important to this story. The story is all about money. And I'm pretty sure your story is all about money too. <laughs> yeah. So money is the root of all evil. 
So was the white man. <laughs> uh, they were allotted 657 acres. In 1897, oil was discovered on this land. So black gold. I just remember um, when Esteban on Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, when he's like, my family struck oil. Oh. And then it was like, it was the best day of his life. Well, I mean, sometimes it is. You make... The money's oils where it's at. Um, so they found they were on top of some of the largest oil deposits in the United States. And they own this land. They have the deeds to this land. Wow. So prospectors had to pay them in form of leases and royalties. So in the 1900s, each member of the tribe started to get a quarterly check. First only a few dollars. Then a then hundreds of dollars, then thousands of dollars as the oil was tapped into. The tribe had accumulated millions of dollars. And in 1923, the tribe took in more than $30 million. Whoa, that's crazy. So today that would be $400 million. <gasps> what? So the Osage were considered the wealthiest people per capita in the world. Because, like I said, they had their names on the tribal rolls, and they uh, each got head rights. They had head rights. Their legal heirs, whether they were Osage or not, had head rights and royalties to production because people would, like, get married to other people who are not, like, of their nation. Yeah. And their kids would have, like, less or more or whatever. Um, so... Because they became so rich, so much money, the public focused on the money that the Osage Nation had gotten, but not their, like, not what they've experienced, like, in life, like, the, um, the violent way which they were, like, moved from place to place, and just, like, their trials. Everyone was focused on all the money, because that's what... You know, that's what people are into. Money, let's focus on the opulent wealth of these people and not what they had been through. Well, and also, like, um, they have a right to it. You don't have to just be like, oh my goodness, they have too much money. Yeah. Like, their land was on it. Yeah. So. Um, So, they were, like, called the, the richest nation, clan, or social group of any race. And... Of any race on earth, including the whites, man for man. So, they use their royalty, um, their royalties and money to, like, send their kids to private schools. They bought fancy cars and clothes and jewelry and traveled to Europe. And the newspapers, like I said, all over the country talked about their opulent wealth. Again, not like how they had been treated in the past. Just talking about their wealth. So, the U.S. Congress uh, thought that the Osage would not have been able to handle their money, so they started the Guardian System in 1921. No. So, they appointed guardians to each... Wait, what? Yes. Guardians. Legal guardians. To, to like, adults. adults? Yes. Legal guardians to each Osage half or more in ancestry. They would manage the royalties, financial affairs, until they, each person demonstrated competency. Okay, so, like, as an analogy, so it's like, 
your your full like Osage, you're gonna get a um let's see. You get a head right. You get a head right. You get a royalty. And then, and then if, when it gets like watered down, you know, you get married to other people. You still get it then, as long as you're yeah. half or more. So so if you only have like a quarter then you have enough white in you that yes. you don't have to. Yes. That's ridiculous. Um, unless you're a minor. If you were like a minor that was less than half, they also had guardians over their money. Wow. Um, and the, the court-appointed guardians were from local white lawyers or businessmen. And they like were telling them what to do with their money. Yes, and controlling their money. <gasps> this sounds like Britney Spears. Yes, it is very much like Britney Spears, guys. If you are not understanding what I'm saying, just think Britney Spears is the people controlling your money. Um, and these are we're not always the nicest of people controlling their money. We'll get into that. Oh no. We're getting into that. We haven't even gotten to the I'm just craziness. The title, so yes. So, on May 21st, 1st, in 1921, Anna Brown, she was 34 years old. She was invited over to her sister Molly's house. Um, so, Anna and Molly, they have, they are fully, fully blooded um, from, like, the Osage Nation. They, I mean, they do have really, like, white names. I'm sure they have, like, their, like... They're like native names, but uh, these are the ones a that I found. A lot of people did though back then. Yeah, when they were part of Native American tribes, a lot of people did end up getting yeah white names. I think, I mean, I feel like there's, I'm, even now today, people have like their actual name, and then they have like the English version of their name. Yeah. Um, so uh, Anna, so she was visiting her sister Molly. They have. They had two other sisters. One, her name was Rita. We'll talk about Rita. And, um, Millie. Not, Mi not Millie. Minnie. Minnie had died, like, three years before. Aww. Um, she was 27, and she was in perfect health. And then all of a sudden, she died of a mysterious sickness. Hmm. And their mother is still alive. Uh, their dad had died. I don't know when he died, but he's dead. Okay. So, um, going back on May 21st in 1921, Anna was invited over to her sister Molly's house to help watch Molly's two kids, um, while Molly's husband Ernest, his family was visiting. His family was not the nicest of people, like, his aunt was visiting and she was super racist. And, um, Anna, she struggled with drinking and had recently gotten divorced from her husband. His name was Oda Brown. And he owned a livery business. Like, yeah, I think it's livery. He was a livery business owner. And Anna showed up to her sister's house pretty intoxicated. Ugh. And Molly, like, was like, okay, I invited you over to my house to help take care of my kids and I have to take care of you. And she uh, washes Anna's clothes. And then they have uh, Molly's husband, Ernest. His brother drive Hannah, Anna back to her house, and his brother's name's Brian, and he had dated Anna in the past. Like they've had, like they have a history, and so they uh, Brian drops Anna off at her house, and then he comes back, and they go to like Ernest and his family go to like a play or something. 
And then a couple days go by and they have not heard from Anna. But we're going to talk about Molly. So Molly's last name is Burkhart. She married Ernest Burkhart. Ernest was 28 at the time. I think Molly's in her early 30s. So she's a little older than Ernest. Um, Ernest was a son of a poor cotton farmer in Texas. And he left home at 19 to live with his uncle, William K. Hale, who lived in Fairfax, which is like close to the area. And William was described as a domineering cattleman. And Ernest ran errands for his uncle, and he also worked as a livery driver and sometimes as a chauffeur, and that's how he met Molly, chauffeuring her around. When I think of chauffeurs, I think of, like, driving Miss Daisy or... I think think of, um... I think of uh, Downton Abbey and... (laughs) Branson and he meets he's the chauffeur and then he meets one of the daughters Sybil and they fall in love um so Ernest he's important his uncle's important all these people are important to the story okay um so like I said Molly and Anna had two other sisters Rita and Minnie and like I said Minnie had died um and they have their mom and her mom their mom's name is Lizzie Q, Kyle. So Kyle is like their last name. Um, so after Brian had dropped in off, they had not heard from her for days. And... No, not the days. Like, yeah, not, it's days. Uh, and so she, they it had been like three days and she was like super... Um, Anna started to get worried because um, a week before Anna had gone missing, a man named Charles Whitehorn went missing on May 14th. And Charles was 30 years old. And so then, like, a week later, an oil worker had found a body by some brush. And there were two bullet holes in this person's head. They died execution style. And the body was badly decomposed. But they knew it was a man. And they found a letter addressed to Charles. And then they realized that this was Charles Whitehorn, who had gone missing a week before Anna. And Charles showed up dead. And Charles is from, like, the Osage Nation. Um, I've, I already have some theories. I have some... I'm not going to tell you who, like, who does what till the very end. Because okay. I, always, I always tell it as it goes. I'm just going to... I'm going to tell you when... You're going to surprise me. I'm going to surprise everyone as it gets investigated. We'll be, we'll be like, what? Um... So, uh, then on the same day, some men and a boy went hunting and they found the body of a Native American woman. And so they had Molly and Rita come to identify the body, but it was really hard to tell because the body was decomposed because it was just out in, in the wilderness in the wilderness, and, you know, things happen. Yeah. Um, and so, they, I mean, you couldn't tell who it was by the face of the person, and so this uh, body, she was wearing the same clothes as Anna. And a friend that came with them was like, oh, Anna has a gold tooth. And then checked to see if there's a gold tooth. And there was. So what year was this? So this is in 1921. Okay. Because I was just like, I mean, this is older. If it was more recent, then you do something like that too. Like with the whole, you look at your teeth. Yes. 
but they look back. Yeah, but they, they don't back. have dental records. So. No, they have like, oh, she has a gold tooth. Let's check to see if there's a gold okay. tooth. And there was. Um, yeah. So this takes place in like the 1920s. So it's a time of like craziness. Like the 20s were crazy. Little lawless. Little prohibition. Oh, we're little... in the 20s again. Yes, we're in the 20s again. So they ruled her death accidental due to alcohol poisoning and put the case aside. I don't believe it. And, yeah. So then Anna's estate was given to her mother, Lizzie. And Lizzie had both her daughter's head rights and royalties as well as her husband's. So Lizzie was, like, rolling in the, rolling in the monies. So then two months later, Lizzie, who's one of the last elders, became mysteriously sick and died. So then all of her royalties and head rights and money went to Molly and Ernest. So then Anna and Molly's cousin, well, and Rita, so Rita's their sister too. She's still alive. Um, their, um, Their cousin, his name is Henry Roan, he was found in his car, shot in the head on February 6th of 1923. And then on March 10th, like a month later, Rita Smith, so their sister Rita, uh, her last name is Smith because her husband is Bill Smith. Um, Rita, her husband Bill, and their servant, uh, Nettie Brookshire, were killed in an explosion. <gasps> that was a turn of events. Yes. An exp- at first, it was just sicknesses. And like, shooting yeah no this is an explosion a literal explosion and in the the bomb they found like someone used five gallons of nitroglycerin they were out for blood yes and her husband like actually died four days later he didn't die like immediately in the explosion but he died four days later yeah it's terrible and some of the people like they weren't killed in like these people were not killed in the nicest ways so molly was devastated her entire family is dead. Her three sisters, her mom, her brother-in-law, they're all dead. Her dad's dead. Her dad died a while ago. Like, all of them are dead. She's like an orphan, but like... Yes. But like, no family. Yeah. She's gonna become Batman. So, she was so devastated and she's like, we need... This is like, bad situation. Like, she and she has all the money because she got all of the, everyone's money. So she's like, I'm gonna put all my money into private investigators. So she hired a bunch of private investigators, and they were all like pretty sketchy. And the the tribe was like, mm, okay, these people are a little too sketchy. We're gonna ask a friend, Barney McBride, to go to DC and help us. And Barney's like this white man. He's an oil man. Uh, who is a friend of the Osage, and they asked him to go to D.C. and come back with help. And so he's like, okay. Um, So Barney goes to D.C., Washington, D.C., and while he's there, he receives a telegram saying, be careful. And then that night, he gets abducted. (gasps) What? And then they later find him in Maryland. His head was bashed in. (gasps) He was stripped naked and stabbed 20 times. Oh my goodness. So then the Washington Post wrote about it and this came like a national story. Like, so now everyone knows something's going on. It's a little fishy. So there is another Osage man. His name is George Bigheart. He was put on a train 
to Oklahoma City because he was sick. And then while at the hospital, they told him, we think you ingested poisoned whiskey. So then George is like, I'm going to call an attorney. So he calls William Watkins Vaughn. They call him W.W. Vaughn. And <laughs> they ask and ask William to like meet him at the hospital. And so William has been like interested in what's going on. He's been investigating other things. So he has like some evidence. And William's like, okay, I'll meet, I'll meet you, George, at the hospital. Because George is like really sick. And William tells his wife where he's going. And he also tells his wife that he's putting their money in a safe. And he's putting evidence in a safe. Because this is, like, important. And he's scared something's going to happen to it. Oh, my goodness. Or something's going to happen to him. Just in case. So, William and George meet. Uh, William gets, like, more documents. And he calls a local sheriff from, like, Osage County. And he's like, I... Me and George talked. I have some evidence against a killer. Like, I'm going to get on a train and I'm going to meet you in, like, Osage County. And so the sheriff's like, okay. And he never shows up to Osage County. So then they send out a search party. And the search party's like bloodhounds and Boy Scouts. And I'm sure there's other people in there. But what I read was Boy Scouts and bloodhounds. <laughs> Oh my goodness. And they found him 24 hours later along the tracks. He was thrown off a speeding train. What? His, he was stripped naked. Okay, so similar MO. Yes, his neck was broken. And then his wife checks their safe and finds that it cleared out. Someone cleared out their safe. I feel like that would be someone abducted him, took him back to his house, they emptied the safe. Then he threw him off the train. So. That's my theory. The same night they find uh, William's body. George dies in the hospital. Like he succumbs to the poisoning. Um, and then during this like. This, this is like a two year span. It's like 1921 to 23. 13 full blooded Osage men and women were found dead they all had guardians appointed to them and then so the total of like during okay i said that wrong so between these three years like so 13 other people had died and they all had guardians appointed to them and so they all the guardians appointed to them when they died they get all their royalties and their head rights and stuff that was one of my theories. So, during this time, a total of 24 people have been murdered. Oh, 24? 24. They call this the reign of terror during this, like, these couple of years. And people were scared to go outside. They didn't let their kids go outside. They put lights around their houses because they were all, like, scared. Yeah. They were going to die. And by 1925, so since the time they found gold, or not found gold, sorry, found oil... In 1925, at least 60 wealthy Osage uh, people, like, they had died and their land was inherited and deeded to their guardians. Ridiculous. Who were, again, local white lawyers and businessmen. So, ones that are already rich 
Yeah, or they want to be rich. They want the... Yeah. They're just people of, like, more prominence. Um, so, the in 1925, the tribal leaders are like, no, no. We're done with this. This is ridiculous how six there's 60 people dead. I don't think everyone died of, like... I don't I think there may be, like, a couple people in there who died of, like, natural causes. Like, but most of these people died of fishy circumstances. And a, a local law enforcement, his name is James Monroe, I think it's Pyle. I'm really sorry if I say that wrong, but it's P-Y-L-E, so yeah. Pyle, contacted the Bureau, the Bureau of Investigation, so it's B-O-I, so it's not F-B-I yet, it's B-O-I, so it's right before, this is the, what existed before the F-B-I. <laughs> And J. Edgar Hoover was the director of the Bureau of Investigation. And then he was the director of the FBI, too. He basically, like, I think he created the FBI. Um, So he was, like, he was contacted by these people and um, by the tribal leaders in James Monroe Pyle. And he wanted a team to investigate. And he wanted people like him. Like, he, like... Just people like him. So he gets this Texas Ranger who is still very cowboy-esque. He wears like a cowboy hat and he wants justice. His name is Tom White. To like get a team, to rally up a team to investigate. So Tom, he wants his team to be brave. and Because they got to be brave and they got to be able to go undercover. So he gets um, John Berger who is a frontier lawman to pose as a cattleman to like, you know, to infiltrate. Then he gets Frank Smith, who used to be an insurance man to pose as an insurance man in this area. Oh, so he knows his stuff. Yes, he knows his stuff. And then they get John Wren, who is from the Ute Nation, which I'm assuming is in Utah because like the, the Utes. And... I like. I also kind of looked it up too. So, um, they're they're from like Colorado and Utah. Yes. And who has already been a spy? Um, he had been a spy for the Mexican revolutionaries. So he also went undercover. So all of them went undercover. And this is when the team started to discover a huge criminal enterprise. Okay. So, because there was a lot of intermarriages, so, like, marriages of people from, like, different, like, nationalities and races and stuff. Like, again, I said, Molly, uh, she's married to Ernest, who's white. Anna was married to, well, she was married before, like, they got divorced and before she died. Um, she was married to a white man. Rita was married to a white man. Like, all her sisters have been married to, like, white men, like. So there's a lot of intermarriages. And this the Osage community, because of there's like because there's a lot of white people in their community also, like they're more trusted because usually like back in the day and probably even now, like people like don't really trust white people. You know what yeah. I mean? You know what I'm trying to say? But there are more white people trusted in this community. So they're like, this is a little different, so. And uh, so the people, so they found that white men of 
prominent members of society, so like lawmen, prosecutors, businessmen, bankers, were all stealing Osage money. I knew it. So, okay, we're going back to, do you remember what Ernest's uncle's name was? William Hale. Okay. So they discovered a crime ring, and it was being led by William K. Hale. He was known as the King of Osage Hills. The tribal council, which makes me think of a uh, uh, survivor. Yeah, tribal council. The tribe has spoken. Yes. So the tribal council, like, suspected him, and they told the FBI, like, or not the FBI, the, before they were the FBI, uh, they told him, like, okay, we kind of suspect him. So they looked into him, and they had a right to suspect him. He had convinced his nephew, Ernest, to get married to Molly, and then arranged for Molly's sister's death so her sisters what anna and rita's death maybe even a minis we don't know their mother's death and their cousin henry the one who was found in the car shot death like he arranged for all those deaths and molly and ernest like i said received all the head rights for her family and then molly suspected while the investigations were going on that she's being poisoned so, and Molly, interestingly, was a devout Catholic, and she told her priest, like, I think I'm being poisoned, and her priest was like, stop drinking alcohol that people give to you. Like, don't drink any alcohol. Good. At all. Like, don't do that. Serve to you. And then her priest went and told the FBI, he's like, I think Molly's being poisoned by her husband. Like, <gasps> oh my goodness, yes. And so Molly keeps the, keeps alcohol. That someone was like, that her husband's trying to give her. They test it, find it was being poisoned. Like it had poison in it. Wow. So Molly's like, you're done. Ernest, Goodbye. you're the you're worst. Um, and then, so while they're investigating, they found out. So, like, what is Henry? I mean, he's their cousin, but what does he have to do with this situation other than. Well, they find out that. Family. Yeah. They find out that Henry Roan had a financial connection with Hale. And had borrowed one thousand, well, borrowed twelve hundred dollars from Hale, and then Hale fraudulently arranged to make himself be the beneficiary of Roan's twenty-five thousand life insurance policy if he died. What? Yeah. Oh my goodness! How in the world did he not get caught from day one? Like what? Because people were dying left and right. People who were trying to investigate. We're dying left and right. Okay, so so Kelsey Morrison was a like petty criminal. They arrested Kelsey um, in connection to Anna's murder, and he admitted to driving with Brian to take Anna home. And instead of taking that her home, they while he was acting on orders of William Hill. Him and Brian drove her Anna to a creek, and Anna again was very intoxicated. I don't think she like knew what was going on. Um, and Kelsey shoot shot Anna while Brian was just like there because he's that's, just an accomplice. This is her ex boyfriend. That's so terrible. Yeah, and then they arrested John Ramsey in connection to Henry Roan's murder, and John Ramsey was a ranch hand to William Hale 
and he was promised $500 and a new car by Hale if he did this. So him, so John and Henry drank whiskey together and then John shot Henry in the head and like left him in the car. And then later when they were like interrogating John, he changed his story and said, Curly Johnson is the actual killer. I have no idea who Curly Johnson is, but... He's just throwing out yeah. the random... Well, also, his name is John Ramsey. That's, like, the same name as um, John or Jean Benet Ramsey's oh, dad. Oh, yes! John Bennett. Uh, um, so, and you know who else was an accomplice for this? Brian. So, Brian was an accomplice Brian. for... Brian. Wait, when did we say that? We, I feel like we, we've done this in another episode. Someone's dad's name was Brian or something. And we're like, Brian! Oh, I think so. Um, oh, it's... I it think it's the, the guy who's in the wall. Yeah, so. it was that episode. Wow. Um, so, anyway, so Brian was, like, an accomplice for both of these. And, um, but he turned to, to a state's evidence, so he didn't get, like, convicted. So he was like, I'll tell you everything... As long as I don't get convicted. I'll be state's evidence. So he... Brian becomes state... State evidence. Sorry, my knee's hurting. Um, and again, Brian is Ernest's brother. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to go into Rita. Their sister Rita's. So Molly and Anna's yeah. sister Rita. And her death, like the, which was a bombing. So it turns out that Ernest was involved uh, in... Of course he was this bombing and he turned state witness so or state's evidence or whatever it's called and he he said um because he knew he knew that like his wife's money and his uncle's like position was not gonna save him he's like i'm in deep doo-doo like so i'm just gonna confess but i want to be like protected so i'm gonna be state's evidence and confess. So he said his uncle is responsible for the murder plot, and that Ernest used Henry Grammer as the go-between. This is some random guy named. These are some random people. Okay. But used Henry Grammer as a go-between, uh, between a professional criminal named Asa Ace Kirby, uh, who they hired to, uh, to do uh, like the killings. So wow. it was like Ernest is like okay. Henry, go get Ace and tell him that he needs to kill these people at this time with this or whatever. And then, so, Grammar and Kirby were killed before they could testify. Of course! Ugh! Oh my goodness. The, I hate when people are murdered before they can testify. I know, it's the worst. Okay, well now we're gonna get into my, like, sketchy notes that I have not gone through. So. Okay. Um, so, William Hale and his nephews were all arrested... Hale's formally charged with the murder of Henry Roan. And because Henry was killed on the Osage Reservation land, it made it a federal crime. So William was convicted and tried in federal court. Yes. The trials were from 1926 to 1929 for him and his associates. Um, so they had, ch- which was really hard because the juries were all white people, like all white men. Ugh. And it was crimes committed against, like, Native Americans, and so... So they were already a little biased. Yeah, so Tom White, the one who's, like, the lead investigator, he's really worried. He's like, 
I'm scared that we're not going to get any convictions or anything because of, like, the bias and, like, the the racism and stuff. So he's worried about that. Um, so, uh, it, they struggled with changes of venue, hung juries, lots of appeals, and overturned verdicts. Uh, so, William Hale, John Ramsey and Ernest, they all were sentenced to life in prison, but later were able to receive parole despite protests from the um, Osage people. I would protest too. Which is terrible. So they didn't didn't even live in, they didn't even like stay in prison. So how, like how many people did they kill? It was like 60... Well, there's 60 people. Not, not, they, oh. they didn't kill everyone. Oh, okay, yeah. There's people just being killed by other people. Like, Oh. So oh. not everything is like been... It's not all earnest. It's not... No, it's, it's not all them. But oh, they did a lot of it. They did do a lot. Hey, guys. It's Haley. Um, I'm just editing. And I got to this part where me and Lauren uh, were talking about... Uh, the governor of Oklahoma, and um, then I got confused about names, and so George Big, Big Heart, he was the one who was poisoned and put on the train, and um, so I saw the articles looking at it. The article also called him Charles, so I got confused, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, his name is Charles!" Like this whole time, I'm pretty sure his name is George. So, uh, the people of, I'm pretty sure it's, like, Pahushka, which is, the, like, an area, like, of, like, the reservation which the, um, the Osage people lived in. They, uh, they petitioned the governor to, like, look into George's and William uh, Vaughn's death, so his, like, lawyer, and yeah, so that's what was cut out of this part because it was literally so confusing. And the mayor's name's like John C. Walton or Jack C. Walton or something. Walton, the governor, he assigned Herman Fox Davis to investigate. And then Davis was convicted of bribery during this. And then Walton just like he, he, yeah, he's corrupt. And then Walton, like, pardoned him, and literally nothing came about, like, they didn't, they didn't find out who killed these men. Oh, okay. But I will say, you know who put, I did not tell you who put George on the train. You know who did that? It was William Hale. (gasps) So, William Hale was definitely involved in that. And so, as I was reading, and, um investigating this uh there were like many like many osage women that were like targeted by these like white men and these people they were married to these people and they had kids with these people and they were after their money like they like they lived these lives and it was just um and it's really sad like some of them were murdered by their husbands so they can get their money and, um, so Molly, she recovered from being poisoned, uh, that she already consumed. And then after the trials, she divorced Ernest. And then she died of unrelated causes on June 16th in 1937 in her family, 
her children inherited all of her estates. Oh, yay. Um, not yay that she died. Yay that it got yes. to her kids. Yes. And um, because of all this, to try and prevent further, like, crimes against these people and to protect the Osage people, in 1925, Congress passed a law prohibiting non-Osage from inheriting... Um, from inheriting and, wait, let me read this. Uh, prohibiting non-Osage from inheriting head rights from Osage who had half or more Native American ancestry. So, they're like, this is not going to happen again. These, wow. If you, you cannot get head rights. Like, That's good. Yeah, so they wanted to protect these people. And, and what year was that? This is in 19, this is, oh, this was like 1925. So, like, after they started investigating, they're like, hey, we need to prevent more people from being, like, murdered. And they definitely don't have, like, the same amount of wealth as they do now. But I saw a quote from someone who said, um, we were victims of this murder, but we don't live as victims. And we're, like, they're a very resilient community, and they have, like, they're where they live where their nation is now like they have their own government and stuff and so oh wow yeah and that was the story of the osage murders that's crazy yeah it's like all over the place like murder and obviously money yes but then everything sort of is connected in the end yeah i was not expecting i mean i had a suspicion i didn't think that Molly had anything to do with yeah. it, but I was like, "Why is she alive? I'm like something's not adding up here." And mm-hmm. then it turns out it was her husband. Makes yes. sense. And like, the like a lot of these people were like swindled out of their money too. Oh, that's terrible. It's just really sad, and it's crazy. Well, thanks for telling the story. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening and supporting our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Crimes Through the Times. And look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. Here's a sneak peek of next week's episode. Does your grandma have this in her living room? Yeah, if she has it in her living room, call the FBI right away. Your grandma's a thief. It's because they didn't hide their art underneath the bed. The leprechauns took it.